You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hello, happy Wednesday. Wednesdays are my favorite days. It is one of my favorite things in this whole entire world to be able to share amazing and neat stories with you. And today's story is nothing other than that. Amazing, full of hope and miracles in the midst of grief and pain. When Kim's three-year-old son tragically passed away, she found plenty of resources on grieving. But what she really needed was those practical tips and advice for how in the world she would overcome it all. But now, 10 years later, she's written that book and that resource for you if you are surviving sorrow. She's super vulnerable. She is a deep well of wisdom and has tons of practical knowledge of someone who has been there and done that. Kim walks grieving moms and honestly, people that aren't moms through this grieving process in her new book, Surviving Sorrow. It is a super powerful resource that I highly recommend you getting your hands on. And in today's episode, she's going to tell us why she wrote it and more. This conversation was supposed to be one where we just talk about grief and pain and sorrow and how to overcome it and blah, blah, blah. But really what it turned into was a super powerful message that each one of us have something to take away from. Today, we're talking about how do you know you're ready to share your sorrow story? I think we all have pain in our life and that honestly as hard as it has been and difficult it is to overcome it's a gift because we're able to help and invest in other people that might be going through it too but how do we know that we're ready to start talking at what point in this process of healing are we ready to open up our mouth and share all the cool things god's doing when do we know that it's a quiet secret season that the lord just wants to love on us for and when is it time to start writing a book or something like that Today's episode is all about that and more, and I'm so excited for you to start listening. We were just talking about how this is perfect timing with motherhood and all the celebrations of moms, so I'm so excited for our conversation today of loving on moms and maybe some grieving souls, and who better to do it than someone so joyful and wise like yourself? Oh, well, thanks. I hope hope so. I think that's um, part of the journey, too, is, is spreading around that joy as we talk about, you know, hard things. Yeah, well, I I think today's episode is needed, but we're also gonna have a lot of fun because <laughs> this isn't very like much of a fun topic. But I think that just hearing like you're saying about joy and truth and the peace that is in the middle of it. And spoiler alert, she wrote a book and it's beautiful and it's called Surviving Sorrow. And we're gonna dive into it and the story behind it in her heart. For you as a reader and a listener today. But before we do, Kim, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Where you are now? I feel like you should tell us where you're recording from because that that's pretty neat. It is kind of fun. So I am recording from my husband's family, has a family farm in South Dakota that has been in their family for 135 years. And I am sitting in an old farmhouse in uh, the, the corner of South Dakota at the family farm. And it's just uh, what a legacy and just a beautiful, peaceful place. And uh, Rachel, I didn't tell you this yet, but it also happens to be uh, where our son is buried. Wow! And so this is um, such a special place to us that we wanted him here and not, um, 
in a cemetery we, where we may or may not live someday. Right. And, and so anyways, we, we, he's here and his burial site anyways is here. He is with Jesus, of course, um, <laughs> but his burial site is here and um, it's just a great place for us to be. And I got to spend Mother's Day here, which I have not done before. And that was kind of nice to be here on Mother's Day because it's not an easy day for lots of us moms. And yeah. so um, a little about me, geez, I am, um, I, I coach law students through the bar exam. I'm a lawyer myself. I do family-based immigration, which means I just help families get here completely, like other family members to come uh, to mm-hmm. the U.S. with them. And I am married to Devin, my amazing husband, and we have another son, Ethan, who is 13 now and um, really just a ton of fun. He's he's very boy, but very, I don't know, he's just a funny, cool kid, and I'm <laughs> glad to be his mom. <laughs> so very boy. That is a great way to describe 13-year-old boys. Very boy. I have a I have a 13-year-old brother right now, too, mm-hmm. and... Um, it's just a funny age. And I reflect on when I was 13 and I'm like, oh man, why did I even have friends? (laughs) It's just a strange age. It so is. I think, I I remember thinking that I was completely grown. Like I, I totally thought I was a grown up at 13 and my son does too. (laughs) And I'm like, oh geez, I know that. I know the grace, all of the grace. That is so funny. For people that might not know this, you are 10 years out from, like you had mentioned earlier, losing one of your sons, and he is now with Jesus. And I think that what you've been able to do with it and the story and his legacy and all that the Lord is teaching you is so beautiful. Would you mind sharing a little bit about him and what that journey was like and how it led you to some of the really just revelations that you've had now that you're able to share with other women through this beautiful book? Mm. Boy, it's a it's a good story, and as people uh, like to say, it's a it's a God story, because I was not um, anywhere near the Lord. Like my my parents, yeah, we took us to church and and uh, and that kind of thing when I was a kid. But I completely rejected it. Yeah, I mean, really, all even though I went as a child, like as soon as I was old enough not to go, I did not go. Mm-hmm. Um, really, as soon as I was old enough to trick my parents <laughs> and say, oh, I'm going to go to the 1130 service and drive right. myself. And then I, I did not. So yeah, right. I was just like, no, thank you. And, you know, so I was um, just doing my life and God really had no part in it. But there we were in Arizona in 2008 and we were living in Phoenix, Arizona, and I had, I had really everything I'd ever wanted. And in terms of the world and the worldly things, you know, I really did have everything I wanted. I had a fantastic job as a lawyer in a, in a big fancy law firm. I had my, my dream house, my little red convertible, husband that I was just wildly crazy about, two healthy little boys. And I really just, thought I had it all. Um, And then in April of that year, Austin got sick with strep throat on a Monday. He ran a fever on a Monday, took him in on a Tuesday, back to urgent care um, around midnight on Wednesday, back to his pediatrician on Thursday at 10. And I'm at work on Friday morning 
And I got that call, you know, that no mother wants to get. And, you know, I just kind of ran screaming down the hall, as you might imagine that scene goes. And luckily, some uh, one of the gals in our unit jumped in the elevator with me and said, well, you're not you're not driving. You cannot drive like this. And um, so she was driving and, you know, I I didn't even think to pray. I mean, I just got a call that the ambulance was at my house working on my three-year-old. The nanny is screaming and it didn't occur to me to pray. Like I didn't even think it. And so if you can imagine like how far from God must you be and <laughs> to not pray in that moment, it was far, it was far from God. And, um, but what I did try to do was I wanted to be there with Austin and he was probably about 35, 40 minutes away. Uh, cause I was downtown Phoenix and we lived in the suburbs. And so I knew we had like, even driving like a maniac, you know, we had at least a, a 30 minute drive. Uh, to get to him. And, you know, in my head, I just started doing what a mom would do, right? I'm just like, Austin, can you hear me? Uh, I'm coming. Austin, can you hear me? I'm I'm coming. I'm almost there. Just stay here, you know, fight. Like, I'm just trying to talk to him like I'm there. And, but it's all happening in my head, right? And in my head, I'm screaming these things, but on the outside, I'm silent. And I'm just begging him to fight and to stay here with mommy. You know, do you hear me? You stay here with mommy, you fight. And, and I can only uh, describe it as like, it, it felt like God put his hand on my head because everything stopped and went silent and not out loud, but deep inside me, I heard Austin say, but mom, it's so pretty here. Oh, wow. I mean, like, just like we were at the park, but mom, right? Like five more minutes. It was that, you know, it was just like, but mom, it's so pretty here. And I felt amazing. I felt, I can't describe it. I am an author. Um, I do write a lot and I still, it's been um, 12 years this April. I still can't describe to you what I felt. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear the audible voice of God. It's never happened to me again. I have no idea what that was, but it felt so beautiful that all I could say was, okay. I remember whispering out loud, okay. And then it was gone and I'm back in the car and, and I never felt that or heard anything like that again. And but I knew in that moment, you know, that heaven was real. Like it was a real place. I knew that it was a real place, like tangible, solid, not some like floaty clouds, harps, <laughs> you know, like not not some weird floaty place. Like it was mm -hmm. a place. Yeah. Like I could jump on a plane in Birmingham, Alabama. Like it's like that. And so also all of a sudden I knew that heaven was real. And... So then I had to start going, okay, if that part of the story is true, then what else did I miss? You know? And um, yeah. I am so intrigued. Now I'm just sitting here. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I can imagine for people listening, there's two responses, right? One is thinking, 
wow, this is so crazy, but so beautiful to even hear at this point that the Lord has his hand in it and is working on your heart. And then I feel like there's another response to hearing stories like these or really like any other type of tragic story, which is just fear. Like people are feeling so much induced fear. And maybe for someone hearing your story and then struggling through the fear that this might become their reality, what would you say to encourage them in maybe steering them away from the fear into facing Jesus instead? Yeah. I mean, that's what it did for me. And that that really was the choice that that sat in front of me, right? Do I go... I mean, even at the time, you know, do I, do I turn away from God or what was that? You know, I had to, I had to really go, what was that? And I imagine people out there who might be listening are going, what, what was that? Um, and I, I still don't know, but it felt beautiful and pure and love and just, it, I, it's indescribable how it felt. And, and so, you know, that's definitely, um, part of our story is that it turned me towards God to go, okay, yeah, uh, there's this big, beautiful thing out there, uh, and I want to know more about it. And and so Austin died on a Friday, and um, on Sunday I demanded to go to church, and <laughs> you could have knocked my whole family over with wow. a feather uh, because there I sat at 38 years old. I hadn't gone to church in decades, and I was demanding that we go to church um, on Sunday. and um, this uh, church that I had, I had like spot visited uh, like maybe a couple of times over many years. And, and um, it, I went there and, you know, I gave my life to the Lord on that, that day. And so I feel like I've heard people say you had your own resurrection <laughs> Sunday and I sure did. Um, I, I gave my life to the Lord on, on that Sunday. And and a dear friend of ours gave me my my first Bible. I've never had a Bible before. And, um, you know, I just started going to that church. And boy, man, oh, man, did they just were a beautiful example of the church um, and how Jesus would be so proud of them, how they handled me and how they discipled me and how they just folded me into their hearts and communities and lives. It was beautiful. So luckily... I landed in a beautiful, um, really strong, healthy church, and they just brought me along. and um, And so that's kind of the the Austin story of how losing him, you know, led me to the Lord and led me towards God and led me towards really exploring this and finding out what's true uh, by reading my Bible for myself, by reading Bible commentaries, by reading stuff online, like. What is true about all of this? And, you know, you kind of have to sort that out, you know, for yourself, I really believe, you know, you've got to figure out what you believe, you know, Mm -hmm. for yourself. I think even just hearing you say all this, it's so refreshing because what you hear about grief is really hard and heavy and it is 100%. But I think that there's also this beautiful side of grieving where the Lord takes those very broken and vulnerable places and meets us there. And I think we're so hungry to hear because we need to hear and we need the joy more than we maybe have ever needed it before. And out of that place of desperation, he is so much louder than to me personally, than maybe in the days that the ordinary is fine. And I'm operating just out of a rhythm and 
things haven't really stopped me in my tracks to be like, okay, Lord, I need you, except in those moments of grief. And I think your story and what you've been able to share is a beautiful reminder to people of that's the, that's the gift of what grief is. Although it's nothing I would sign up for. Like you, it has led me to places that I never knew I would find myself and never knew I could find God either. But he was there and he, he met me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just refreshing, honestly. And again, wouldn't sign up for it. I would mm-hmm. never want people to have to go through it. But unfortunately, that's not an option. And grief exists and it might present itself tomorrow again. Who knows? But what is it that we, what is our response to the grief? I think is what's so amazing. Yeah. And, and God, I mean, the beauty of that is that, that he will show you himself, like to, to be able to glimpse the creator of all things, the creator of the universe that, you know, in his God almighty, to be able to, to see him and really, you know, even though you don't see his face, like see him, yeah. who he is. Um, that is, wow, that's something, right? Like that's just still a miracle to me is that he's willing to come near to me. He is not only willing, but he is like yes. delighted <laughs> to come yes. near to me and to show me who he is and to guide me and be near me and love me and provide for me. Like I just, it really is almost too much. Like it's almost too good to be true. And, and that definitely does cast a, a light, you know, on the darkness. And there's, um, there's that verse in Job where it says, I will give you or something about hidden treasures in the darkness. And I think that's, that's true for anybody who's in a dark place and turns toward God. There are hidden treasures there. I love that you treasures. say treasures. That's my word for this season is I feel like I've been saying and hearing oh. treasures and treasure hunt like everywhere. And the Lord's just like, we're going to go on a treasure hunt. I'm like, mm. okay, let's go. And, but it is true. It's like you have to act. <laughs> that's the thing about treasures is you actively seek them. Rarely do you come across a gem by accident. You don't really stumble across treasure. You have to go to the bottom of the sea to go on this big wild adventure to find something like a treasure, which is what a cool analogy and I think, too, what, what people need to hear is that you've written this with raw vulnerability, with practical next steps that are doable and lead you closer, like you're saying, to the Lord throughout this process in a book called Surviving Sorrow, A Mother's Guide to Living with Loss. But I think, because I'm not, like we were talking about earlier, I I would consider myself a mother to baby Autry whether they're actually here with me or not, because I'm so excited for that day. But I have dealt with grief outside of motherhood, which is just within my other family members. I lost my dad in high school, um, have been a part of other losses. and But grief is grief is grief is grief. And I think what this book is so, why I love this book and why it ministered to me is because it gives you those spiritual and practical tools, next steps to be like, okay, not that every plan is going to work for everybody, but here's something that scripture says is true. So let's cling to that. And so I want to hear you as an author brag about your book. <laughs> what led you to write this? Like at what point did you say, okay, it's been 12 years, I'm ready. Or what was it that you were like, okay, it's been, I feel like I have some wisdom to share. I want to meet those other women. <laughs> Just, I would love for you to share those, the perspective. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're going to die when you hear it because... 
uh, it really is a story of of Kim Erickson looking like a toddler in a grocery store <laughs> or a playground or a park. Like I, I really felt the Lord pretty early on, within a year or two after losing Austin, really, you know, pressing on my heart to help other moms um, and to write it and to to help other moms. And you know, I was telling people there's really a gap. Uh, I feel like in like there are a lot of things out there about grief and grieving and the grieving process and the stages of grief and all of that. And that's great. Um, and there are a lot of books out there about healing with Jesus and the healing and the hope that is in Christ and, and all that. And that's fantastic. But what wasn't there for me when Austin died is how do I go to the grocery store? How do I go to the park with my younger son? How do I answer how many kids do you have? Like, that's like yeah. dropping a bomb in yeah. the middle of a small talk conversation, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, I really needed this like practical advice, you know, like how do I live? How, you know, so I like to say that this book is not really a book about grieving. It's a book about living. Like, how do I live after this horrible thing has happened to me? And, um, but it, it is so good. And I had the idea about, year, year and a half, maybe even two years after losing Austin. And I felt God pressing that idea on my heart. And I had it like written down, like in, like on a piece of paper somewhere. And I was like, oh no, Mm -mm. nope, not going to do it. (laughs) I don't want to do it. That's too much. It's too hard. Um, And so I was like, no, no, I would love to write and speak for you, Lord. And so I ended up first writing a Bible study on the gospel of John called His Last Words. And the Lord is so good to me because there I was pitching this fit like a child in a store, just flopped myself on the floor of the grocery store and was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it. And the Lord just waited on me. You know, he just kind of stood there and was like, are you done yet? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and year five goes by. Are you done yet? Nope. Don't want to do it. And so it really did take until about year 10 for me to say, yes, I will do it. And then I waited still even like probably another year almost before I actually wrote it. And um, and then it takes a little bit, you know, to get through the publishing uh, steps. But it, so what did it look like for me to come to write this book? It looked like a toddler pitching a fit and the Lord being so patiently waiting for me. Um, but he really did. I felt like put me in time out. Like that's what I told people several years ago is like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm in time out. My ministry's in time out. And, and my very dear friend, Erica Wiggenhorn, who is also an author for Moody and, um, was in that beautiful church that I talked about at the beginning. I met her like right after we lost Austin, cause she's in that church. And, um, she just look, gave me just truth and love. Uh, one day and said, Kim, you're in direct disobedience. Like you are directly disobeying what the Lord told you to do. Like, what do you expect, you know, him to do about it? Do you really think that you can just say no to the, to the God of the universe? And I was like, mm. <laughs> well, I want to. And she's like, well, I mean, you can stay there. You can stay in that place, but you're not doing what he asked you to do. And I don't know that he's going to bless, you know, your other writing projects, your your blog, your ministry. Like, I don't know that he's going to bless that unless you, 
you know, get into the middle of his will. And, and I was like, oh, she's right. <laughs> so I relented and I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's just another God story. I mean, he was patient, but he was also the God of the universe and my almighty God and my Lord and Savior. And so ultimately, when you know that something God is putting on your heart, and often isn't that the case. So for people out there listening who've been through hard stuff, like or even if it's not grief, like hard circumstances, and you feel like, you know, you're supposed to be helping others, but you don't want to, I can tell you, like, that's that's probably from God, right? Like that is a very good thing. And that is a very compassionate thing. And God loves that kind of stuff, right? And so, you know, the enemy wouldn't tell you to go do good things with your pain. <laughs> Only God would tell right, you. Right, exactly. That. Yes. Kim, this is so good for me to hear because I'll be honest, I think that in the moments you hear someone say, oh, yeah, like it's been 10 years. And I was like, hey, I'm qualified. I'll write the book. I'm like, oh, whatever. Because I find myself in situations where I'm like, I can't, I won't, like similar to you, temper tantrum. Like I can't, I won't, I'm not your girl. Pick someone else. Like there's no way. Like I, and I come up with all the excuses. Like I haven't learned a lot from this. Like I, I'm not as qualified as her, her, or her. And so in, in hearing you say, no, I I had to choose to be obedient. It wasn't something I would have chosen if I wasn't prompted to do or even kept accountable by, by my community to do is affirming to me because I mean how easy would it be if I just was like yeah you're right and listen to the voices and the enemy keeping me away from potentially breakthrough and claiming that freedom for somebody else through a project or a calling that I feel called to as well so for the person listening that finds himself like me it's okay if you feel unqualified because I love this quote um that the Lord doesn't call the equipped he equips the called and so if he called you to it kim like he equipped you for it and here this beautiful book is sitting in front of me that we are now able to talk about and hopefully and like encourage others that are listening that might find themselves in similar situations because of your obedience and so in what ways am i being disobedient it's it's causing me to ask those questions which i think Mm-hmm. Again, it's so refreshing to hear it mm-hmm. wasn't a, oh, yeah, of course, Lord, no brainer. Here I go. Sit at my laptop, start writing for you. It was, it, it was a process. Yeah. <laughs> no, very, very different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in my, uh, one of my writing and one of my writing and sweet mentors says, and it's from a verse, I just can't think of the address of the verse right now, but um, she says this, she's another grieving mom and she's another Um, person who went through a lot, many, many years of infertility. Um, And her name is Kathy Wannenberg. And she has books um, about infertility. And um, she also lost a son to a heart defect. So uh, her son, John Samuel, only lived a couple of days. And anyway, so she really, we had a sweet connection as grieving moms and and authors. and, And she says, we go through what we go through so that we can help others go through what we went through. Amazing. I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Like, I need to put that on my letter board. (laughs) Yeah, we go through what we go through so that we can help others go through what we went through. And that's Kathy Wannenberg, and she's amazing. And um, she has a devotional out, um, two of them, for about 
um, grieving the child I never knew and grieving the loss of a loved one. And they're like daily devotionals. So, so good. Anyways. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, God doesn't waste our pain. And I know we hear that a lot. And I was thankful that God was not wasting my pain, but it didn't necessarily mean that I wanted to be obedient to that. And I also think we see others, like you said, we're, we're always comparing. And as humans, we're always comparing. And then as women, I think we're like, super duper at comparing <laughs> it's our specialty <laughs> it's our specialty it's a very it's almost a superpower at this point um and you said you know you look you looked around and you're like i'm not as qualified as her and i'm not as qualified as her and 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 you know who would i help with this and we start to like you said though those are excuses right they really are excuses and where i had to get with this book and the way that God got through to me on this book was, you know, obviously I did not hear his audible voice, but this is the, the feeling I got inside when he really, when I was still saying, no, like it's too hard. I felt him say something like this. So you're telling me if I put a woman on your doorstep who had just lost her child, that you would open the door, hear her say, I just lost my son or my daughter. And then you would say, I'm sorry, it's too hard to help you and close the door. Wow. wow I was wow, like, oh, wow. oh, well, Lord, of course oh, well, I wouldn't you just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, geez, for heaven's sakes, of course not. Well, that's what you're doing when you're refusing to enter the space what I've asked you to do. And so I had to get to this place where I had to understand, we have to understand what God is calling us to do. God did not call me to publish a book. God called me to write something that would help a grieving mom, period. And so if it went to a friend, you know, if I, whatever I wrote went to a friend or went on a blog or I wrote it in a card or, you know, I don't know where, but like if it just helped one mom, whatever he, all he did was ask me to write it. And then the rest yes. is up to him. Yes. And so we, we tend to go many steps ahead, right? Um, we tend to think of the end result. Well, what I think I'm supposed to help, um, maybe it's women in domestic violence situations. Well, I don't have enough money to open up a domestic violence shelter. I don't have a counseling degree. Like we can make mm -hmm. all these mm -hmm. things in our head, but if we boil it down, exactly what did the Lord ask you to do? Just do that step, you know, just do that step of obedience. And, and then the rest is up to him until he tells you another step, right? So it's just one step at a time when we're dealing with painful circumstances, one step at a time. And the Lord will do something um, beautiful. And whether that's for one person or for a thousand people, that part's up to him. And all we need to do is just do that one thing that he asked us to do. Oh, yeah, and show up and say, yeah. Mm. I'm curious now. I, I mean, there have been moments where I have shared my story about my dad with strangers, people on the plane. Or like really close people over coffee. Like you, when people are like, where are your parents? And I'm like, well, my mom, right. you know, it's like awkward. You're like, I don't know what to say. So sometimes you just play, you're, you play along. You're like, well, they, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not even worth getting into. But then there are those moments. Okay, no, I do feel led to share this. Sometimes 
it goes great. It goes as planned. There's not a tear shed, which I don't mind shedding tears, but there's other times when I feel super overcome and with grief and emotion and it catches me off guard and then it's really hard to get through. Then it gets awkward because the person on the other side is like, I'm so sorry, you don't have to talk about it. I'm like, no, no, this is really helpful for me. I don't be scared of my tears and it just gets weird. That's happened a few times too. And so I'm thinking, do, do you find yourself after saying yes to showing up to this calling that the Lord prompted you to, was it difficult or did you feel like he... I mean, I'm, I know this answer. He gave you what you needed and he equipped you as you as you said yes and can you t- continually showed up. But in the moments, I can imagine you were reliving a lot of the trauma. How did you find the peace and the comfort while you were almost like digging this back all up mm. again to write about? Yeah, that's a good question. The, the digging it back up and going back through it and putting myself back in that place was was really hard. There's just no, there's no really way to spin that in a positive way. It was really hard and it was not easy and it was ugly and I did not like it. <laughs> it wasn't healing. People's like, I thought that was healing <laughs> like, for you. No. I, like, I really wanted to say, actually, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was just terrible all over again. Um, what's healing is helping other, you know, helping others, of course, is healing about it. And what's healing was finally being in obedience to the Lord. Like that was what was better about writing this book. Um, But um, what I was really afraid of actually with this book and putting myself out there was all the stories I would hear in response. And, And I didn't know if I would have enough I don't really want to call it energy because I'm a really energetic person. And I, and so people would be like, ah, I'm always so like bubbly and off the wall. and More like emotional energy maybe instead of physical exactly. energy. That's exactly it, Rachel. I didn't know if I would have the emotional energy and capacity to minister to grieving moms all the time. And um, I was really worried about it. And um, there's a Facebook group um, called Surviving Sorrow Book Group that we're going through the book together. And I really had to pray about that and go, oh, Lord, like, I know you told me to write the book, but do I really have to get on Facebook a few times a week and and minister to these grieving moms? I don't know if I can do it. Um, and I've done some radio interviews where they have call-in callers. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know that I can do this. And one day, I felt like he really pressed it on my heart in this tone that was like, like I'm using with my teenager, right? Listen, little girl, you are not doing anything. If you are spreading anything that looks like compassion, wisdom, um, mercy, empathy, if you're pouring anything out onto these women, it's from me. So you can be pretty sure it's not going to run out. I was like, oh, yes, sir. (laughs) Ten oh, four. You're Got right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it was very stern. Like, will you stop fretting about this? Like, why? You, why are you still trying to operate in yourself and your self sufficiency and your self centeredness and your self focus? Like, if I've asked you to do this, and if anything good comes flowing out of it, you know, you can be sure that that he's the one 
who's giving it to you to flow, you know? And so I was like, oh, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) And he really has, you know, he really has. Yay, way to go, God. Always. And I ask that because I think that that is the fear that oftentimes holds myself back from having conversations or praying with a stranger when I feel prompted is the whole like, oh man, I don't, no, like I, I don't know the outcome and I don't know if I'm, if like, again, like you said, have the emotional capacity to say yes at the moment. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I will, I will give you the capacity when I ask you to show up. And like in those moments that you feel empty, it's for me that I found it's a huge blessing because then I have to not rely on Rachel's energy. I have to then go to the well of eternal resource and be like, okay, I have to dig up from something. I have to use a resource that I I can't rely on me for. And in those moments, it becomes so much more beautiful. And honestly, a really neat way for me to grow closer intimately with the Lord too. Cause I'm like, thank you for showing up and not leaving me looking crazy, sharing my story or sharing this neat um, encounter or whatever. It just, I don't know. It just reminds me time and time again, like you said, Kim, it's not up to Rachel. It's not up to Kim. It's up to it's, it's up to the Lord and he will come through and fill the gaps and intercede and be a part yeah, of it because that's what he wants us, to do. Yeah. Isn't that something that he wants to do that alongside us? Like he could just, f- you know, flick his pinky finger and that person would, could see him and feel him. Yeah. Instead, he wants to involve us. And it's, it, it's astounding, you know, that he would want to do something alongside me uh, for other people, it's it's really is such a privilege, um, but yet not an easy one. And and I think he's worth it. That's the place you have to get to too. You have to get a deep enough relationship with him to see he's worth it. Like the hard stuff, he's That's worth good. it. I have another question because I can imagine that you have. This is a personal one. I'm like, this is selfish of me, but I have like, I'm so curious to your answer. So. If you, let's say, for example, for me, I am in the middle of an infertility season and process, and there's a lot to it that I have not processed yet. So a lot of times I'm like, okay, I don't feel like that this is something that I'm called to share about more as information, but to sit down, like write a book on infertility right now to me seems almost inappropriate because I'm like, I want to be on the other side of the miracle. Like I want to be on the other side so that I can look back on who I am today and encourage her because right now, honestly, it's really hard to encourage myself or other women going through something like me because I am at, I'm at that place. It's so vulnerable and low. So I feel like there is a difference between going through something in the act and then like being on the other side of it. So I would consider you on the other side of the miracle because the Lord has blessed you with wisdom, discernment from it all. And of course, like grief can totally sneak up catch you off guard and there's a new obstacle. But then also for my season, let's say, for example, I am in the middle of infertility. I haven't seen the miracle yet. I will hold baby Autry one day, Lord willing. I'm so excited for it. But in this right now season, in the meantime season, how do we know and how do we discern whether this is something that the Lord wants to speak to us intimately, personally about and when we are ready to say, yes, use me. I'm ready to encourage others that have found themselves in a similar situation. Yeah, I have, um, I've heard uh, a bit of advice there. And so this is not coming uh, from me, but I think it rings true. You hear oftentimes, it's like this phrase that says, your mess 
is your message, right? Like that, that is your message usually is, is your mess. And I've heard um, wise women say, yes, that is true. Most often the Lord will use your mess and turn it into his message. However, it's, it's wise to wait until you're out of the mess before you try to turn it into a message <laughs> about him. Amen. Yeah, but, that's good. Um, so that, that has been the advice. Yeah, wait, right? Like you're talking about. Wait until you're kind of uh, on the other side of it, so to speak. So I have definitely heard that advice. However, that is advice we've been given, right? The Lord was very clear that I was supposed to write something to help other moms. And remember, he didn't tell me to publish a book. He told me to write something that would help other moms. And so I would say it depends on what he's asking you to do. Um, You know, and if you really believe he's asking you to do it, if you're still in the middle of your, your mess and he is saying you need to do whatever, X, Y, Z, then I think you're supposed to do X, Y, Z, right? And so if if you're feeling like a pause all over you, like the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let's maybe wait a little until we're on the other side, then I would say then you you heed that, right? Like you you listen to the to the Holy Spirit that says, whoa, pause or go forward. And you really try to tune in to, you know, what the Lord is really asking you to do. And if you're really tuned in and and he says, take a step, then I think it's, it's best to take a step, right? Um, and I also think, especially if it's a private step, right? For my example was, he said, write something that will help other grieving moms. That's private. Like, it doesn't mean that I had to like, even if I did write it in the middle of the heavy grief, and I did write some things during that really ugly first couple of years, and but they haven't seen the light of day, and nor will they, <laughs> um, because I think those were between me and the Lord. Um, and so I would encourage you to, especially if it's a, a private step that is a first step, and it would just stay between you and the Lord unless he tells you to do something else, then there's no there's no harm in doing it. And so I'm more inclined to say, do what he tells you to do. Like, and, and if you're supposed to do it in the middle of your, your mess, then he has a reason for that. And maybe you're not supposed to wait until you're on the other side. So I think there's both advice and really we have to listen to the Lord and I know that's kind of a messy. No, answer, it's beautiful, but. and I and I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm sitting there with you. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because there are some times he's like, okay, let's process some feelings. Let's get it on paper. Because I too love to write, and I I externally process a lot that way. And but there's a difference between writing and publishing, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know it, just being in that yeah. world. But you can write something, scratch, edit it. Like there's so much more to the process than just writing and publishing. Um, there's editing and revision and oftentimes that includes another person helping you with that. And so I think having, um, that discernment is really important, but funny, you should say your message is from your mess because that is, you know, that's like one of our little slogans around here. We say behind the bliss and message from the mess. 
which is so funny. I love that. <laughs> We're on cue. We the Lord has cue. put us together, Rachel. That's Rachel. right. Yeah, that's it. You are my girl, Kim. I'm excited about this. Well, I think <laughs> so much fun. This has brought so much clarity, I think, because we all face pain, right? We've all faced a story that I think is worth sharing. We all have something in our lives that's caused us to come out on the other side or to find ourselves in a place that we're like, hmm, never thought I'd see myself here or would never have considered that be a part of my story. Mm. Whether that's losing someone, losing a, a career, losing an idea or a dream or whatever, I think that there's a lot that we go through and pain that we face. And so knowing and having the discernment and wisdom for how to share it, the obedience and so showing up and saying yes, I think is all things that you have done so beautifully well. And I can't wait to see all the ways that the Lord just continues to bless you through it because I know that this ministered to me. Um, so I can imagine this book and even this message and conversation is reaching so many other people that are like, okay, yes, it's time to show up. Like it's time to say yes. Um, or stepping back and saying like, okay, Lord, yes. what is it? Like, I, I want to show up. What is it that my thing is to show up for? And, um, I think, yes, this is so beautiful to get that conversation started. So thank oh, you. Oh, I love it. Oh, and I love to encourage ladies to to step out into what the Lord is calling them to do. I think we we ha- often hesitate and feeling, you know, like we can't do it or we shouldn't do it. Someone else is more qualified. All of those things that, um, you know, hold us back from doing something the Lord has put on our hearts to do it. Oh, maybe that was just me. You know, well, maybe it wasn't God. <laughs> you yeah. know, all these things that we oh, say to ourselves. <laughs> and so, boy, if someone's listening. Yes, everybody has their own thing. Like, who do you think you are? Like, that's a good one. So we have all these other things we say to ourselves. And if we can just act a little more um, urgently, right? Like if God told you to do it, once you're sure of that, uh, you know, then we can do it. And believe me, I am speaking to myself (laughs) first and foremost uh, on that as well. But wouldn't it be a neat place if if all God's children did what he told right. them to do, you know, it would be really <laughs> different neat. world. That's for sure. Um, have you read Jess Connolly's book? You are the girl for the job. I have not. I have not. Okay. But I will. It's very much this <laughs> message. It is amazing. It's one you should add to your cart. It's, it's all about how, you know, how do you defeat the self-talk that's telling you you're not qualified or equipped and all the things we we're talking about. And how do you say yes in whatever arena that is for you? And it's it's beautiful. It's an it's a great follow Ooh, nice. up resource great. for sure. Okay, so the girl for the job by Jeff. You Connell. got it. Yes. Okay. One of my favorite questions to ask in a conversation is, "What are you loving these days?" With something that you need to share with people, it can be a product, it can be a book or a song, like anything that you're like, oh, hmm. Kim has to share this with everybody. It is a book by Stephen Furtick called "Sun Stand Still," and it's about praying. Those big, bold prayers of the Old Testament, you know, where they asked for the sun to stand still in the sky so they could, you know, win the battle. And sure enough, the the sun stood still (laughs) and praying these big, bold, outrageous prayers. And it really is a fantastic book by Stephen Furtick, Sun Stand Still. I love it. Oh, okay. I'm adding that to my list too. You got you're the girl for the job. I have Sun Stand Still. (laughs) Kim, thank you so much for just showing up here and being obedient in this conversation and encouraging our souls to say yes and um, to be in the places God's called us to be because he's needing us to be there with him 
And so thank you just for that vulnerability. It means so much to me. Oh, thank you for letting me be here, for being so grace-filled in our conversation and just allowing me to to talk to your listeners and, and hopefully just love on them a little bit and give them some encouragement. I am sure they're feeling so encouraged. Where can someone find you online or get their hands on a book of yours? Okay, so they can, they'll be directed there if they just go to the website, which is www.kimaerickson.com, kimaerickson.com. And there'll be links to purchase the book. The blog is there. So a lot of free resources as well um, regarding sorrow, regarding Bible study, and then my links to social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. If you look for Kim Erickson author, you'll find me. And I'd love to connect with you and just encourage uh, ladies some more in their walk with the Lord. I love it. We'll link all that in our show notes as well so people can find that easily. You are just such a treasure. I'm so grateful for you in our conversation. Me too, Rachel. This was so fun. Thank you so much. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.